You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Tracking apparent Chinese industrial cyber espionage, tornado cash sanctions, Twilio discloses a breach, social engineering exposes data at Clavio, Microsoft's Ann Johnson previews the latest season of afternoon cyber tea, Joe Kerrigan tracks the growth in crypto jacking, and what might the Mounties be monitoring? From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. Malwarebytes reported last week that an unknown threat actor was deploying an attack tool the researchers called Woody Rat against Russian targets. Woody Rat has a range of capabilities, including writing arbitrary files, staging and executing other malware strains, collecting information from infected devices, and deleting files. The researchers conclude, this very capable rat falls into the category of unknown threat actors we track. Historically, Chinese APTs such as the Tonto team, as well as North Korea with Kony, have targeted Russia. However, based on what we were able to collect, there weren't any solid indicators to attribute this campaign to a specific threat actor. Other activity against industrial targets in Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus is being tracked by Kaspersky and others. Circumstantial evidence points to TA-428, a Chinese threat actor also known as Colorful Panda and Bronze Dudley. Kaspersky concludes... A Chinese-speaking group is highly likely to be behind the attacks. We can see significant overlaps in tactics, techniques, and procedures with TA-428 activity. The attack analyzed used the same weaponizer, which embeds code of a CVE-2017-11882 exploit in documents, as in earlier TA-428 attacks that targeted enterprises in Russia's military-industrial complex. Some indirect evidence also suggests a Chinese-speaking group very likely being behind the attack. This includes the use of hacking utilities that are popular in China, such as Ladon, the fact that the second-stage CNC server is located in China, 
and the fact that the CNC server registration information includes an email address in the Chinese domain 163.com specified in the administrator's contact data. And the timing of the activity shows the characteristic 8-to-5 workday, Shanghai time, that's marked the clock-punching diligence of Chinese cyber operators in the past. These incidents suggest that, however closely aligned Russia and China might be, espionage services will collect against belligerents wherever their announced sympathies may lie. The U.S. Department of the Treasury has elaborated on the sanctions it imposed yesterday on Tornado Cash, a cryptocurrency mixer Treasury connects to money laundering. Treasury says that Tornado Cash has been used to launder more than $7 billion worth of virtual currency since its creation in 2019. This includes over $455 million stolen by the Lazarus Group. The Lazarus Group, of course, is the North Korean cyber operations group that has, for years, engaged in cybercrime designed to fund Pyongyang's weapons programs and to mitigate the crippling effects of sanctions on the North Korean economy. Under Secretary of the Treasury for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence, Brian E. Nelson said in the statement, Despite public assurances otherwise, Tornado Cash has repeatedly failed to impose effective controls designed to stop it from laundering funds for malicious cyber actors on a regular basis and without basic measures to address its risks. Treasury will continue to aggressively pursue actions against mixers that launder virtual currency for criminals and those who assist them. Tornado Cash's assets are blocked and U.S. persons are prohibited from doing business with the mixer. Twilio, which TechCrunch describes as a communications giant whose platform enables developers to build voice and SMS features into their apps, has disclosed a data breach. They say, on August 4, 2022, Twilio became aware of unauthorized access to information related to a limited number of Twilio customer accounts through a sophisticated social engineering attack designed to steal employee credentials. This broad-based attack against our employee base succeeded in fooling some employees into providing their credentials. The attackers then used the stolen credentials to gain access to some of our internal systems where they were able to access certain customer data. The company is working directly with affected customers, and it still has the incident under investigation. CyberScoop reports that Twilio is heavily used by political campaigns. In another incident traceable to credential theft, Bleeping Computer reports that the email marketing firm Clavio has disclosed a data breach. The firm wrote on its blog, On August 3rd, we identified a Clavio employee's login credentials had been compromised as a result of suspicious activity from our internal logging and a user report. This allowed a threat actor to gain access to the employee's Clavio account and, as a result, some of our internal support tools. Clavio, much of whose business is focused on cryptocurrency, explained that the attacker seemed interested in two classes of information. They said, The threat actor used the internal customer support tools to search for primary crypto-related accounts and viewed list and segment information for 44 Clavio accounts. For 38 of these accounts, the threat actor downloaded list or segment information the information downloaded contained names, email addresses, phone numbers, and some account-specific custom profile properties for profiles in those lists or segments. 
all of these accounts have been notified with the details of which profiles and profile fields were accessed or downloaded. The threat actor also viewed and downloaded two of Clavio's internal lists used for product and marketing updates. These exports included information such as name, address, email address, and phone number. The download did not include any passwords, password hashes, or credit card numbers. The download also did not include any account data for subscribers who have a Clavio account. All impacted individuals have been notified. Bleeping Computer says that it's aware of evidence that threat actors are actively looking for the data stolen in the breach. For now, it's likely that the data will be used either by those who stole them or sold to other criminals in the C2C market. Eventually, the information will probably simply be dumped online, but this incident is too young for that to have happened yet. Sometimes spyware really is lawful intercept technology, at least when it's not being abused, so parliamentary testimony by Canadian security officials would maintain. Global News reports that Mark Flynn, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Assistant Commissioner, responsible for national security and protective policing, told members of House of Commons Ethics Committee yesterday that between 2002 and 2015, the RCMP used Canadian-made technology to covertly access electronic information. He told the committee, As encryption started to be used by targets that we had judicial authorization to intercept, we were unable to hear the audio, hear the phone calls, or see the messages they were sending. That is when we developed the tool and technique to make it possible to intercept those communications. We have evolved in the use of the tools as individuals evolved in the ways they communicate. The House of Commons Ethics Committee was conducting an inquiry into the use of surveillance tools against cell phones. Mr. Flynn also stressed to the members that hostile foreign states were certainly using tools at least as powerful and that members of parliament should understand that they themselves are the targets of foreign surveillance efforts. Specifying Canadian-made rules out, of course, NSO Group's Pegasus, which is made by an Israeli company. Politico reports that Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino said that intercept tools were not tools of either first resort or convenience, rather were tools of investigative necessity. He said the widespread use of encrypted communication poses a challenge for law enforcement and spyware is used to frustrate the efforts of sophisticated criminal organizations. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. 
So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to the show Ann Johnson. She is Corporate Vice President of Security Compliance and Identity at Microsoft. Uh, But in addition to all that, as if that weren't enough, she is host of the podcast Afternoon Cyber Tea. Ann Johnson, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. It's always great to be on. You know, uh, you are just about to kick off season six of your Afternoon Cyber Tea podcast. Um, Before we dig into what's to come with this season, can you give folks who might not be familiar with the show uh, your brief little overview of what the show is all about? Absolutely. Afternoon Cyber Tea, which is, as Dave mentioned, going into season six, is a podcast that we started to try to bring cybersecurity to, as I say, the masses. So we invite industry leaders, we invite up-and-coming professionals, we invite folks that have even an academic um, view of the cybersecurity industry, and we talk about what's relevant today, what's top of mind for executives at companies related to cyber, and we always leave the episodes with practical advice for our audience, things that you can do today to improve the security posture of your organization. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about the show is that this is a podcast that that folks who are in, in cybersecurity on the technical side, they can share with their friends, their family, their colleagues who may be interested in cyber, but not necessarily steeped in it day by day. Yeah, that was our goal. We really, um, it is not an, a show that if you're a deep cyber practitioner and you want deep cyber expertise, we have some ep- episodes that, that get a bit more technical, but it really is more on the business and industry trends and the up and coming and attacks and things that are happening side so that you can share it with your parents, you can share it with your, your partner, you can share it with your kids, whoever, and they can learn a lot just about the industry as a whole. Well, you are just kicking off season six of Afternoon Cyber Tea. Can you give us a little bit of a preview? Who do you have lined up this season? So we are launching with the extraordinary MK Palmore, who is who is now at Google, but he has had just this amazing career um, in the FBI, and he was in the military and with Palo Alto, and is just this incredible really well-respected industry expert. We're talking about cyber. We're also talking about Cyversity, which is a diversity initiative that he has been involved with for many years. We have um, up and coming the incomparable Ira Winkler is going to be on the show. He is going to be talking about securing the metaverse. Um, Really excited about that conversation. 
We have Sunil Yu is going to be on the show. He is going to be talking about the paradigm shift that he sees in cybersecurity and how we need to start thinking about cyber in a very different way. And we have our own Mahal Braverman Blumenstick, who leads the Microsoft um, Israeli Development Center all up, but she is also the CTO for the cybersecurity business at Microsoft. And she is this incredible expert. So those are just a few of the guests. We have a few more that we're rounding up. And I, I am absolutely thrilled about the guests that we have up and coming. One that I didn't mention, by the way, or a pair of them, is we have Dave DeWalt and Jay Leak, who are going to come and talk mm. about the trends, right? The industry has changed a lot just in the past two months. So they're going to talk about the change in the industry from an investment standpoint. You know, as you head into your sixth season here, have has anything changed since you started? Has your, your approach, uh, have you refined anything along the way? You know, this is a really friendly podcast. It's not a gotcha podcast. So we've maintained that ethos with the podcast. But I will tell you that one of the things that we have refined is that, that making sure that we always have an industry up and comer um, on the show, making sure that we're talking about a wide variety of topics. So we appeal to a lot of folks. You can find a little bit of everything um, with regard to the podcast. And just for me, right, this was the first podcast I hosted. I had been a guest on many, but I hadn't been a host. So I've refined my own style and how I interact with my guests. It's it's really been a fun experience, Dave. And we've seen just a significant increase in listenership and people who subscribe. So we believe we're hitting the mark, but we're always looking for feedback and we re- take that feedback very seriously and incorporate it in the show as we go. Well, the podcast is titled Afternoon Cyber Tea and uh, definitely worth your time. Please do check it out. Uh, Ann Johnson from Microsoft, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. You know, a couple of years back, uh, I remember when crypto jacking was really, seemed like it was on its way up. And there were a lot of yeah. folks saying that crypto jacking was going to be the thing because mm-hmm. um, it was kind of uh, non-confrontational, right? Yes. <laughs> like they right. thought you compared crypto jacking and ransomware, which were both kind of in parallel ascendancy at the time. But it didn't really work out that way. It seems like uh, the ransomware folks uh, you know, upped their game, started going after bigger targets. Um, I came across this article. This is from OutlookIndia.com, and it's titled Crypto Jacking Cases Are Rising Globally. Why so? And should this worry you? What, what's going on here, Joe? So crypto jacking, if, if, if I can 
go down to the base level and do the uh, explanation of what it is. Basically, it's without permission, you are mining cryptocurrency, proof of work cryptocurrency on somebody else's computer. Mm. Uh, you know, the the idea of mining uh, cryptocurrency with proof of work is that this is a hard math problem and it requires a lot of processing power to do that. It can be expensive, so why not offload that to some unsuspecting person and have them pay for the electricity and I just get to keep the cryptocurrency? That would be 100% profit, right? Mm-hmm. Sonic Wall researchers have observed that cryptojacking incidents rose by 30% uh, last year, uh, or in the first, I'm sorry, in the first half of this year over the same period last year to 66.7 million attacks, which is hmm. a lot. An interesting st- statistic in this, in this article is that the financial sector has suffered the greatest increase here of, uh, 269% year to date. Uh, hmm. and they suffer about five times as many rants, uh, I'm sorry, cyber attacks or or these crypto jacking attacks as the retail industry, which is second. So hmm. it, it's interesting to me that these guys are hitting finance companies more than they're hitting retail, because I would think finance companies would be harder to get into than a retail company. I would agree. I wonder, do, do finance companies have more um, available computational power sitting around? They might. That, that's a good a good point. They might have that. They might have the. Uh, they might actually have some kind of uh, computer sitting around with a bunch of graphics cards sitting in 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 them. And graphics cards are very good at mining particular cryptocurrencies. I mean, th- hmm. the best thing to mine a cryptocurrency is uh, is an ASIC. If you have uh, a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, it can be mined with uh, what's called an application specific integrated circuit. Nothing faster than that. Uh, but Crypto, uh, most cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, can be mined on on graphics cards. Uh, it is generally not cost effective, but again, if you're not paying for the electricity, it's 100% profit. So there are some theories in in the article as to why this is happening and why these crypto jacking attacks are on the rise. The researchers attributed the rise to a crackdown on ransomware attacks, which we've seen here recently. There are governments that have stepped up their ransomware awareness and enforcement efforts. The attack against the Colonial Pipeline resulted in a recovery of 70% of the uh, net proceeds of that because the the affiliate program, not the actual ransomware gang, but the, the gang that brokered the access, left their keys out on the on a, on a server that the that the feds got access to, and the feds just transferred all the Bitcoin to themselves, mm. which was a way to recover it. So they're also going around arresting these people, which is happening, and and I, you know, criminals don't want to get arrested, so they're opting for the the quieter life. Also, in a in a ransomware attack, the article notes that they you have to make it clear to somebody that you, that you, they've suffered a ransomware attack, uh, and then demand the ransom, and then begin the communicating. But in crypto jacking, you just uh, you're very quiet, and the victim may never be aware of it. The researchers are saying that they they've they don't want the heat, you know, they don't want the the law enforcement coming after them, so they say uh, the lower risk. Uh, is worth sacrificing the the higher payoff. Now, I have my own theories as to why this is on the rise hmm. uh, recently. And my theory centers around cryptocurrency prices. Uh, people hmm. like mining cryptocurrencies. And if the cryptocurrency price drops, like it has with, uh, with Bitcoin and just about everything out there, really, uh, it's gone down about two-thirds. Uh, Bitcoin was trading at like $60,000. And as of this recording, it's somewhere in the $20,000 range. Uh, I think anyway, I haven't looked at it recently, but it's it's gone down a lot. That's the point. 
you still want to mine your cryptocurrency and get the rewards and hope that it goes back, or maybe you're liquidating everything as you get it. I don't know. Uh, but now you cannot pay for the electricity with the cryptocurrency that you're mining. Uh, so it has become not profitable to actually run a mining rig. So I think people are actually out there looking for other ways to mine cryptocurrency. And like I described earlier, this 100% profit model is very attractive. Uh, if I can get somebody else to pay for the electricity, it's all profit. Uh, also, it's far less destructive and thus far less attention gathering, which is what the article mentioned. I think that has a lot to do with it as well. If yeah. somebody finds out they're the victim of a, of a crypto jacking attack, they're probably just going to uninstall the software and move on, right? right? It's kind of a nuisance level attack. It's not going to, you know, there's no government in the world that's going to go, all right, well, let's see if we can get that money back for you. Because first off, the, the amount of money that you're getting from any individual victim is, is going to be very, very small. Recovery is not going to be uh, worthwhile. Uh, compare that to a ransomware attack where you're talking about millions or tens of millions of dollars. That can be, that that might be something that a law enforcement organization might be like, okay, we're going after that one. If for no other reason to demonstrate to people that they can't just get away with this. Right, right. I would suspect also because so much of this can be automated, you know, if they're out there looking for vulnerable systems and they have bots that are running around, you know, searching and poking and prodding and, and trying to install things. And and then, as you say, you know, in the, in the middle of the night, you, the machine sitting on your desk at the office when you're at home asleep uh, right. comes to life and starts mining cryptocurrency uh, and then is done. By the time you come in in the morning, there's a good chance you may not even know. Right, and if if these guys are smart enough to lay that low, they they may they may be able to mine cryptocurrency on a machine for years. Right, right. All right. Well, interesting development. Again, kind of uh, different from I guess my own expectation, or my, it, right. it, uh, it's different than how things were going. I guess I'm a little surprised that crypto jacking is uh, on the rise again. But uh, as this article explains, there are some good reasons for it. Kind of makes sense. Yep. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Liz Irvin, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. 
Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 